A Christian Debunks Creationism by Paul Martin, read by the author, copyright 2019, Paul Martin's Fine Films and Audiobooks. Chapter 6. Was Noah's Flood Global? A Christian brother once said to me that you've got a choice. You either have to believe that Noah's flood was covering every square centimetre of our planet, including Antarctica and Mount Everest, or that it was just a fairy tale. And I said, that's the logical fallacy of the faulty dilemma, and there's no reason why we have to choose between these two extremes. And in Genesis chapter 6, to eight, it talks about the flood and the causes. And in verse three, Yahweh said, my spirit will not strive with man forever because he is also flesh. And it goes on and says, the Nephilim were in the earth in those days. And Yahweh saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only continually evil. Yahweh said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the surface of the ground. Man along with animals, creeping things and birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favour in Yahweh's eyes. So God told Noah to build an ark and it says in many translations of the Bible that he was going to flood the whole earth. But that doesn't mean our globe. The, a better translation is the whole land. Noah had no concept of the whole planet. The world to him was the world of Mesopotamia. And the Bible often uses terminology of the whole earth or the whole land, and it doesn't mean the whole land. It's the same language used in Genesis chapters 6 to 8. 1 Kings chapter 10 verse 24 says, All the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. And yet the fervorous nation that is mentioned is Ethiopia where the Queen of Sheba visited him. Daniel chapter 2 verse 39 prophesies the third kingdom, which most people agree were the ancient Greeks of Macedonia, Alexander the Great. It says, And another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth, now, Alexander the Great's empire did conquer the known world of the time. He conquered the Middle East, modern-day Turkey, and Egypt, and the Persian Empire, and Parthia, where Afghanistan is, and part of India. But this doesn't mean that he also conquered North and South America, Southern Africa, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and Antarctica, 
And Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says, Now it happened in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. Caesar Augustus didn't even rule the whole planet, but the Romans did rule the known world of the time. And Acts chapter 2 verse 5 says, Now there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under the sky, or some translations put it, every nation under heaven. And verse 9 mentions Parthia as the furthest nation. Is he really saying that there were Jews that came from North and South America or from Australia? No, it's talking about the known world. Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 25 says about the king of Babylon, Behold, I am against you, destroying mountains, says Yahweh, which destroys all the earth. And Nebuchadnezzar's empire did not destroy the whole earth, but they did rule the world of the people in those days. And then Genesis chapter 6 verse 17 says, I, even I, do bring the flood of the waters on this earth to destroy all flesh having the breath of life from under the sky. Everything that is in the earth will die. So the earth or land... Genesis chapter 7 verse 4 says, Everything living thing that I have made I will destroy from the surface of the ground. So the terminology in the Bible does not support a worldwide flood. It's inconsistent when creationists insist that the verses mentioned first are not talking about the whole earth, but then they say Genesis 6 to 8 is talking about the whole earth. And one reason I got from them is, well, look at all the geological evidence that the creationists talk about. And to which I say, well, that's junk science. And they say, yeah, but it had to have been a worldwide flood because it says it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And I said, well, if it had rained for 40 days and 40 nights, it would have emptied some of the ocean. So it only there's not enough water to flood the whole earth. In the Ark Encounter, Ken Ham claims that there were 7,000 animals aboard the Ark. And there were eight people had 850 animals to look after each day. You see, creationists claim that the flood covered the whole earth and all animals that are alive today are descended from animals that got off the ark. So therefore all the species of animal in the world today had to be aboard that ark. And since there were eight people that had to look after 850 animals each day, that would be one animal per minute if they were to work a 14-hour day. And they also had to shuffle all the poop of the animals from the lower decks and throw it out of the ark. They would have had a hellish amount of work to do how did they 
carry tons of poop out of the ark and dump it in the ocean? How did they feed them? How did they store it all? If you believe in a localised flood, you don't have that same problem. And was it a worldwide flood that was ended by geological activity? Well, they like to quote Psalm 104 in reference to the to geological activity, but that's not talking about Noah's flood. That's talking about Genesis chapter 1, when the earth was formed at the very beginning. He laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be moved forever. And that's actually telling the opposite. If they were if the foundations of the earth were set, then there was no movement in the flood. But the scripture there is talking poetically anyway. It's not uh, telling us about geology. Was it a worldwide flood that was ended by geological activity? Well, there were flood survivors. The Nephilim were mentioned in Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, before the flood. Then we read about their descendants in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33, which says, There we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came, from, who came of the Nephilim. And Genesis chapter 8 verse 1 says the flood was dissipated by a great wind. Genesis 8 1, God made a wind to pass over the earth. The waters subsided. If there was a worldwide flood, you wouldn't be able to stop it with a wind. Genesis chapter 8 verses 1 to 5 tells us that the waters were receding. Genesis chapter 8 verse 5 says the waters receded continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So Genesis chapter 8 verse 5 is telling us that the water was receding and we could see the tops of the mountains. Now, let's compare this four verses later at verse 9. It says, But the dove found no place to rest her foot, and she returned to him into the ark, for the waters were on the surface of the whole earth. Now in verse 9 it says the waters were on the whole earth but verse 5 tells us that the mountains could be seen. So when Genesis 6 to 8 talks about the water being on the whole earth it doesn't mean on the top of every mountain or everywhere. What needs to be recognised is that Mesopotamia is at very low altitude and it has a lot of flooding. And that was the area that got flooded. And in Genesis chapter 8 verse 11, Noah's dove found an olive leaf and olive trees do not survive at high altitude. 
So the flood waters could not have been that high. As mentioned before, there is not enough water to flood the whole earth. 0.1% of earth's volume is water. Yes, it does cover 71% of our surface, but we have less than a quarter the amount of water needed to flood the whole earth. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 11 to 14, it mentions many places, the land of Havilah, the Pishon River, the Gihon River, the land of Cush, the Hidekel River of Assyria, and the Euphrates River. Now these places existed before the flood, and they existed after the flood. So there was no great catastrophic change to the tectonics of the earth, as these creationists claim. Also, a rectangular-shaped arc would have survived a large flood, but it would not survive the high seas of a global flood, like a ship on the ocean. It would have been broken to pieces. The Mesopotamian Valley was the known world to Noah and his people. That was, and it was God's judgment on people. So if Antarctica or Siberia was not inhabited at the time, God would not have needed to flood Antarctica or Siberia. We don't know how long ago Noah lived but I believe it was probably many tens of thousands of years before Abraham's time. Genesis chapter 10 lists 10 generations between Noah and Abraham. Luke chapter 3, on the other hand, lists 11 generations between Noah and Abraham. The Jewish genealogies are not complete. The word for father of can mean grandfather, great-grandfather or long-distant ancestor and the word for son can mean grandson or great-grandson or long-distant descendant and that thought is used in, in Matthew chapter 1 where it says the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. King David lived a thousand years before Jesus. And Abraham lived about a thousand years before David. They weren't uh, three generations, they were many generations. So you can't use the genealogies of the Bible to calculate the age of the earth but we simply don't know now another rather dumb argument that creationists use to argue that it was a worldwide flood is they point out that there are many different cultures and traditions around the world that mention uh, a flood tradition such as Hawaii and therefore the argument is Hawaii must have been flooded. 
Well, if that was true, then whoever was living in Hawaii at the time would have been killed in the flood. So, and also some of these flood legends have nothing in common with the Bible one. It's very much fallacious thinking. However, if you believe in a localised flood, there would have been enough room to fit all the local animals, enough time for eight people to look after them. There would have been no problems with geology. You'd have the same places named before and after the flood, such as those mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. And Mesopotamia is an area of frequent flooding. There was a great flood there in 2900 BC. And there are flood legends such as the Epic of Gilgamesh and the Sumerian King Lists mentions the Great Flood. But now we get to the scientific evidence for the flood. Is there any scientific evidence to support a worldwide flood? And creationists will say there's marine life fossils on mountaintops. To which we say, yes, that mountaintop was once underwater. And that's because of plate tectonic activity. But see, it's taken tens of millions of years for this to happen. It's like, for example, if scientists were to find a way of determining if all my cutlery and crockery has been in my kitchen sink, has been underwater, and they would prove it, and I would say, yes, it's all been in my kitchen sink at one time. And then the scientist, who's a creationist, would say, aha, this proves that all your crockery and cutlery has been in that sink underwater at the same time. To which I would say, no, there's not enough room to fit it, but they've all been underwater at different times. Well, the geological acti evidence and activity in the world doesn't fit the creationist claims. There are many animal species that are confined to separate parts of the world. We have marsupials that are native to Australia and South America. In fact, South America millions of years ago was thriving with marsupials and when North America collided... The placentals drove many of these marsupials to extinction. But because Australia was separate, marsupials were able to thrive. However, when the dingo got introduced to Australia, it drove the thylacine, a similar shaped animal, to extinction. Then there's animals like the koala that lives off eucalyptus leaves and lives in Australia. How did Noah get it all the way from Australia to Mesopotamia? And how did it get its way back to Australia? There's other animals like the dodo of Mauritius, which is extinct, but they were very vulnerable to predation because they didn't have any predators in Mauritius. 
And then there's some animals that live in very cold climates, like emperor penguins in Antarctica. How did they get aboard the ark? Did they swim across the ocean? Or were they native to Mesopotamia, sharing the same land mass with lions and tigers, and they just made their way across to Australia? There's no answers they really give. There's nothing practical they give unless you appeal to the miraculous and the supernatural. Secondly, how did all the animals fit aboard the ark? How did eight people feed them all? And we've looked at the mammoth task, no pun intended, they would have gone to to do it. Did plate tectonics end a worldwide flood? Well, they like to tell us that there's millions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the earth. If you had a flood, you'd have dead things buried under one rock layer. You wouldn't have multiple rock layers. There's far too many fossilised animals in all the rock strata to fit on this planet if they were all killed in this one worldwide flood. The Karoo Formation in Africa has about 800 billion animals, it's believed. The Russian Arctic investigation found about half a million tonnes of mammoth tusks. And why are there so many aquatic animals found? And a good article to read is the Talk Origins Archive called Problems with a Global Flood. And there they look at these practical problems they've got on their on their uh, agenda to deal with. Plate tectonics move about 1 to 10 centimetres per year and Mount Everest moves about 8, sorry, 4 millimetres per year. And they have rapid geological movement by plate tectonics would have emitted enough heat to evaporate all the water on the earth and it would have cooked Noah and all the animals aboard the ark. Ian Plymer, in his 1988 debate with Dwayne Gish, pointed this out. He wrote a book called Telling Lies for God and he wrote a chapter called A Great Flood of Absurdities. And he said the continents would need to have moved four kilometres a year. And this would cause a worldwide ca catastrophic earthquake once every six minutes, a catastrophic volcano once every 12 minutes, perpetual darkness, and we would have had constant nuclear winter since the Great Flood. And every 18 minutes, a tidal wave of boiling water would come across them. So it's not possible for humans to survive in those conditions. And furthermore, why would God bring about such horrors after he'd already passed his judgment with the flood and said he'd never bring a massive disaster like that again? It does a lot of violence to scripture. And why isn't it written about in scripture? Well, as Ian Plymer said, every, uh, they'd, someone had sit down to write about what had just happened, and then six 
minutes later, there'd be a, a catastrophic earthquake. Then another six minutes after that, a catastrophic volcano. And then 12, uh, six minutes after that, there'd be a tidal wave of boiling water that would go over them. And, and Genesis 8.22 refers to a return to normalcy, seed time and harvest, cold and heat. And, and so, some creationists still argue, and they used to in the 1980s, that there was a vapour canopy that covered the earth, and that would have had a greenhouse effect like Venus. It would have been boiling hot and people would have been killed. So that, my friends, is why we should reject a worldwide flood. The Bible does not require us to believe it covered the entire planet, and the scientific evidence makes a complete mockery of the creationist theories. So I think it should be abandoned, and it's we can still believe there was a flood and there was a literal Noah and a literal ark that was built. It destroyed Noah's world of Mesopotamia and it preserved Noah. And the question is, though, why would God get him to build an ark if it wasn't a worldwide flood? Why wouldn't he get him to just leave? And Hugh Ross, who's written about that, in his book, The Genesis Question, he says, because an, an ark would serve as a pulpit, people would ask him, what are you building? And he'd say, God's going to judge this land. And so that was his witness as a prophet of God.